You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another live episode of the Wisco Fanatics Show, where we discuss the Packers, Bucks, Brewers, Badgers football, and basketball from an optimistic perspective. Wisco Fanatics is brought to you by Cardboard Legacy, Wisconsin's most complete sports card shop. Buy, sell, grade, and consign all at their location in Oshkosh. Never gets old. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. I got kind of a jam-packed episode today, but... We got to start with a couple things. First of all, today is January 24th, meaning today is the three-year anniversary of the Wisco Fanatics page, which is cool. Um, <clears throat> Jake and I have been talking about Wisconsin sports for a little over three years, but the page itself is three years old. We started it as kind of an offshoot from a from a different outlet that we were working with at the time, and and now it's just us working on our own, and we have, you know, we have some guys with us like Mike and Simon and Bryant who uh, who join us for some content, which is awesome. And we've had a lot of awesome guests over the first three years of the show, which, you know, every time something something bigger happens, it's just all comes from a place when we were just a couple of dudes with some notebooks talking about the Packers a little bit. <laughs> what a what a unique opportunity we've kind of created for ourselves. Uh, getting to talk to our buddy Mike every week during uh, Badger football, Badger basketball, getting to talk to Simon and Bryant uh, literally almost every day during the Packer season. I mean, we've really met a lot of cool people. I mean, Nick is one of the nicest people that I've ever met, in my opinion. Uh, he obviously is uh, one of our sponsors of Cardboard Legacy. If you're interested, go check them out, man. They're, they're awesome people over there. But we've just had so many cool opportunities. I've uh, been to Brewers games. Packers games, but uh, we haven't even been to any Bucks games yet. Uh, been you guys went to the launch. I was not able to attend with Car Problems, yeah. but um, I mean, just just a lot of cool stuff that we've done. Uh, really honing in on the thing that we love, which is sports, right? So, uh, congratulations to you. Congratulations to me, Mike. Thanks for coming along, man. It's just uh, it's a day of love, man. I'm feeling it now. You, you set me up. And I would, I would add Tyler from Wisco Ball in there. I have to give him a, a special thanks. He gave me a handful of Wisco Fanatics shirts to bring down to the Senior Bowl, which takes me to my next order of business, and that is that 
Monday I leave for the Senior Bowl, which I'm super excited for. And it's just another one of those things where when we started talking about the NFL draft a lot and, you know, really diving into prospects and stuff, it wasn't something where, like, I was in, like, okay, two years from now, I'm going to be going down to Mobile, Alabama to watch seniors and draft eligible juniors who are trying to boost their draft stock and getting to talk to them as a credentialed member of the media. Wasn't remotely on my radar two years ago when we started doing a lot, a lot of draft prep. And, and now here we are. So that said, I want to thank everybody who participated in buying raffle tickets for our 50-50 raffle. Friends, family members, coworkers, I appreciate it. The winner is going to take home 125 bucks. So I appreciate, again, everybody who was willing to get into it. So I got this good old Brewers helmet. Shout out to the Brewers who signed Rice Hoskins to play first base next year. Also, that is a very cool thing that we will discuss when we get into Brewers primer time. But mm-hmm. Jake and Mike, I'm going to I'm gonna shuffle them up here. You guys tell me when to stop, and the one that I'm touching is going to be the winner. So Call it, Mikey. Call it, Mikey. Call it. Stop. Todd McLaughlin. That is my coworker, Todd. Hey, Show congratulations. Todd, Todd is the winner. Good stuff. He's going to be excited for that because I had to – I had to hassle him a little bit to get him to buy some tickets, so he'll be happy to hear that he won. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth the hassle, huh? <laughs> Almost. He's like, remember this when I have raffle stuff for my kids. <laughs> so he'll be, he'll be happy to hear that he won. And again, I want to say thank you to everybody who, who who did buy raffle tickets. I really appreciate it to help fund my trip. Um, hopefully, hopefully the content that I'm able to produce while I'm down there next week is going to be worth it. And outside of the NFL, um, draft coverage that I'm going to be doing while I'm down there. I'm also going to be with Javik Blake on next Wednesday before the show and actually doing the show next week, which we're going to start at 6 p.m. Mike, I'm not sure if I didn't ask you if you're if you're down for that yet, but next week's uh, show is going to be at 6 p.m. because uh, I will be live from the Biloxi Shuckers Stadium, and I actually get to uh, I get to help break a little bit of news while I'm down there. So I'm excited to hang out with Javik on the show a couple times earlier in January. Uh, when we were talking about guys like Jackson Churio and Tyler Black. So uh, excited to meet him in person and hang out with him a little bit next Wednesday while I'm down there for the Senior Bowl. So, again, thank you for everybody who participated in this. And, yeah, we're going to talk about some Badger basketball. So let's get into it. Moving into the Badgers game against Indiana. So, Mike, what two things stood out to you from Friday night's game? Yeah. So first off, happy three-year anniversary, guys. Had to call call that out. That's really Appreciate special. It. What you guys got going is pretty special. We've done the, uh, a launch together. Now t- we've done the launch, plus we've done the primer. Hopefully yeah. we can offer that too as the, the years uh, go on here. So quick shout out there. Uh, yeah. It. Yeah. As far as the Indiana game goes, I mean, there's a lot of action here, right? But uh, two main things I want to call out. I'm going to start with the bench scoring, actually. So um Tyler Wall was one, he got in foul trouble in this game, and we had to make up some ground for that, right? So, you know, led by guys like Kamari McGee, 10 minutes, four points, two rebounds, two steals. Connor Seijan came in, six minutes, four points. Carter Gilmore played a decent game, 13 minutes, uh, 14 points, two rebounds, or excuse me, four points, two rebounds, one assist, one a steal. And to cap that all off, which kind of brings me into my second point. Uh, Mr. John Blackwell, he played 20 minutes, he had 12 points, and he had four rebounds. Uh, you know, and like I said, this is my second takeaway is John Blackwell. This guy, for, for a true freshman, he just understands the feel of the game. 
He's been getting to his spots. I've said that before uh, pretty consistently on this show. And, you know, for a true freshman, it's really impressive. And um, a big part of why he was big in this game is we – one of my calls last week was we need to get off to a fast start. Did that mm -hmm. happen in this game? Absolutely not. Uh, we fell behind. I think it was 1-6 to six or like 1-7. to seven. And then, yeah, there you go. You're bringing it. I was right gonna now. say, I was gonna wait for you to be done talking, and then, and then I can, uh, I'll let it play for you. But, oh, that that's okay. Um, but no, John Blackwell co comes in after, yeah, slow start. He scored seven of the first thirteen points for for Wisconsin. Um, one play in particular, that step back three, which was pretty, pretty yeah. impressive. So that's what really got the crowd going. Um, you know, and to cap and really to cap this off, we had the step back three, then he had a nice reverse layup after that. That's and what this one is. If you want to talk about it specifically. Um, I do, I do need to watch the, yeah, play, play the, play it for me. So Jake and I broke yeah. this one down last night, but. Oh, fake two guys out goes past the third, just blows by, blows by three dudes for that reverse layup. And uh, John Blackwell is definitely one of the most aggressive guys on the team when it comes to getting to the bucket. Um, yeah. You could probably put AJ store in that category as well, but um, yeah. he, if he's not one, he's two. So kudos to him and the to top all this off. If this is the third time this season, he is the freshman of the week. In yeah, the Big Ten. He is the first badger that has done that since guess who? Johnny Davis. Nope. Sam Decker. A little after that. Uh, I've got nothing. Is it Chucky? Before that. Trust me, you guys are yeah, – yeah, he was one of the top scorers for sure. Okay, he wasn't the best free throw shooter. Um, tall guy, six, probably about 6'10", 6'9", 6'10". Was good in the post. Uh, Am I overthinking Ethan Happ. it? Ethan Happ. Oh, Ethan Happ. Oh, I was overthinking God. it. Yeah, I am over um, Yeah, <laughs> so first Badger since uh, Ethan Happ to get that the award three times in in a season uh, for a freshman. So, and you know, there's plenty of season to go where he very well could you know pass that. So, uh, yeah, John Blackwell, good game. All righty, Jake. What two things stood out to you from the Indiana game? Man, first of all, nice to just have a team that just collects uh, Big Ten wins like it's nothing, right? Not that they're acting like it, but it's nice that we get we win on the win on our home court, protect home court, and uh, we moved to five hundred on the road, three and three on the road. So uh, nice to to get wins on both areas. So the keys that I picked out one was Stephen Crowell. He had twelve points, eight rebounds, eight assists. Uh, if you look at his rebounds compared to the team total, he had thirty two percent of the team's rebounds, so one third of the team's rebounds, and he had fifty seven percent of the team's assists. That's insane. Um, so to say that a lot of the offense goes uh, inside out is an understatement. It clearly does. They throw the ball in the title wall. They throw the ball into Stephen Crowell, and they trust those guys to make the right decision, either to shoot it or pass it. Uh, Tyler plenty of times has called out that the ball needs to move a little bit quicker, which I agree with. And when the ball moves quicker, and uh, we actually broke down another play last night where it was uh, Stephen Crowell finding a cutting A.J. store, and I was just – that was just an example of his playmaking ability. So shout out to him for moving the ball and rebounding well, which he needs to do at a little bit more consistent uh, clip, in my opinion. So the next thing I picked out was field goal percentage, and I wanted to lump in three-point percentage. 
And the reason for that being is they shot 59.6% from the field and 47.6% from the three-point line. That is the fourth time this season they have shot at least 55% from the field and 45% from three. The other three games were Northwestern, Nebraska, and the first game of the year, Arkansas State. So recently, a lot of opponents we played, Northwestern and Nebraska, and now Indiana are on that list. So the Bucs are just – or the Bucs. I've been talking about the Bucs so much the last day. It's – they're in yeah. my brain. Um, <laughs> the Badgers are, are really starting to heat up. They're hitting their stride uh, right in the, the middle of the season, you know, when they're going to go through the gauntlet of the Big Ten schedule. So it's a good thing. Uh, they can really set themselves up nicely. Tyler and I were having a conversation about uh, where they might end up seeding-wise. And right now, if they keep playing the way that they are, shooting the ball efficiently and defending – I mean, we're going to get into the Minnesota game, but for them to win a game scoring 91 and then win a game scoring 61, that just shows the versatility of this roster. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I, I'll talk a little bit more about it in Minnesota. I'll let, I'll let Mike shine because he's going to talk about great guards. So I'll, I'll save it for that game. Um, <clears throat> first, Max Klesman is seemingly inserting himself into being a takeaway every single game. <laughs> right. So I'm going to start with Max Klesman because Indiana at one point in the second half went on a 9-0 run. And then Max Klesman went nuclear and scored 20 straight Badgers points. That is wild. Yeah, it is. Absolutely wild. He hit two threes. One of them was an and one to get 10 straight points, got a steal, made a left-handed layup. uh, And then him and... um, Carter Gilmore forced a travel. He got fouled, made two free throws. Or sorry, that was a technical foul. Made the two free throws. Then he made an elbow jumper. That was 20 straight points. And then he stepped into a three, rose up, and dished a perfect pass to Carter Gilmore. That, dude, that that last play where he rose up and then dished to Carter Gilmore, that is the epitome of smart basketball. To know that you have just scored 20 straight points and you were going to have five sets of eyes on you and rising up like you're going to you know, pull a heat check and then just hitting the wide open man for a wide open layup. That is just, that's fantastic basketball by Max Klesman. I can't ask for anything more from him. I think it caught everyone off guard too when he did that because it's like, all right, screw it. He's going to push it up. Like you, you heard the crowd like during the game, like oh, like I think it fooled everyone. It kind of fooled me too because I thought like catch and shoot, he's just gonna rocket fire. But no, that was one hell of a play, and it it was an awe moment for sure. Yeah, it's like oh, here we go, here we go, and then it was oh, good pass. Yep. In my opinion, you could you could tell that he was coached well growing up, making the yep. right ball play. Yeah, for sure, unselfish play. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing that stepped there that stood out to me was some bounce backs. So the Badgers themselves as a team, as a collective, lost to Penn State. They bounced back and got back into the win column in this game. So they ended up only going from 11 to 13, not a huge drop. Just again, goes to show that even the rankings can respect losing to a, a Big Ten team on the road. Um, you know, record be damned. It's still the Big Ten. It's still college basketball on the road. Uh-huh. I don't have something to say about when we get to Minnesota, but I'll hold that off too. <laughs> then, um, 91 points after scoring 83. So the the Wisconsin Badgers have they have five losses, but two of them were in a row. So in their four wins after a loss, they average 81 points. 
Oh, damn. So I will take that. Yes. I like that. Um, <clears throat> Chucky Hepburn went two for five from the three-point line after being one for his last nine. That's 40% compared to 11%. It's a lot better. A bounce back yeah. there. Uh, Carter Gilmore, four points after he had 23 minutes scoreless. He didn't take any shots in those 23 minutes, but 23 minutes of game time scoreless, he had four points. Uh, Kamari McGee had played 11 minutes in his last three games, had not taken any shots. He scored four points. And then 13 turnovers in the Penn State game, down to nine. That's below their season average. And steals. Badgers only had two steals against Penn State. Ratcheted up to eight against Indiana. Their season average is 6.1, so those eight steals are a big bounce back from where they are uh, against Penn State and where they are in the season. So moving into last night's game against Minnesota, Mike, let's start with you from last night's game. Yeah, this was kind of one of those games where it was similar to like how our game, how like those games went last season, low scoring, just gritty like type basketball in comparison to what we you were just talking about, Tyler. So it was the bat. It was a game that you know I've had recent memories of, especially in these last couple seasons. But um, you know, my big one, my first takeaway here has got to be Tyler Wall. Uh, in my opinion, he was he was the MVP of this game. Uh, you know, it it definitely like when Stephen Crowell got in foul trouble because Minnesota, what a lot of what they were trying to do is get the ball inside and just like punish us, you know, in the paint down low. They did have their moments. So it, it was, was a good job. A it was a good job for holding that up for the most part. I mean, at the end of the day, we gave up only 59 points. Right. So, um, no, Stephen Crowley had two falls. So Tyler Wall had to step up and he definitely did 16 point 16 points, four assists. Three rebounds, three blocks. Two of those blocks were in the final minute of the game, which were some of the most crucial moments, obviously. Tyler Wall hit two clutch free throws to go up three. Uh, when we got to that moment where, oh, should we follow should we follow up three? Should we follow up three? But no, that was you know, last year, I mean, I'm still a little hesitant when he shoots the free throws, but I feel much better this year than I do last year because last year it was such a crap shoot. Um, <laughs> with the with the team in general with free throw shooting, but yeah. he was a ve- he was very clutch throughout the whole night, and he held Dawson Garcia, who averages seventeen a game for Minnesota. He held him to ten points and ten shots, which is very impressive. And he did get a couple later on in the second half there, but for the most part, uh, Tyler Wall locked locked his ass up. So that three um, that he made yeah. was so annoying because that was like a laser beam of a yeah. three. He like threw it straight at the rim, and it just went straight through. You could yeah. tell he was pressing. Yeah, he he was locked in, man. And Dawson, he only had one free throw attempt all night too, and that was only because of AJ Store's technical foul on his uh his dunk. That and he missed. I, I'm still questioning <laughs> that call, like what that what happened with that. But um, no. And then to cap this all off, Tyler Wall. If we don't play them in the Big Ten tournament, he ends his career against Minnesota seven and one all time. I would take that any day of the week. Yes, sir. You did make the right decision to come to Wisconsin instead of staying into that yeah. shitty state, Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, when you sent us over. when you sent us the seven and one stat, I'm like, oh, so that's what ownership looks like. I've just been using Aaron Jones and the Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears as examples for ownership. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it's it's gonna get be- and it's gonna get better here. So, um, a second takeaway, uh, we got to give a shout out to our guy Greg Gard. Um, he has hit 100 
Big Ten wins, uh, which is very impressive. Put he is the yeah, yep. He is the sixth fastest coach to do it in the Big Ten of all, all on the last fifty years. It said uh, in the last fifty years. So oh, I'm well, gonna that's go. Not okay, that's not that great. So to give you so, some context here, number six is Greg Gard, one hundred and sixty-two, I believe. Yes, um, Gene Ke- Katie or Gene Keedy from Purdue. He was 144. Tom Izzo was 143. Oh. Fat Mata, uh, the Ohio State uh, coach for a long time, he was yeah. 141. Bo Ryan, number two, he was 140. Number one, uh, Bobby Knight, 135. Uh, that Rob. makes sense. <laughs> and for additional context, even after that, Matt Painter, He's behind Greg Gard. He is seventh. He's at 100. He went 173. And John Beeline, another legendary coach, you could say, he went yep. 183. So Greg Gard's in some pretty goddamn good company, if you, if you ask me, boys. So yep. uh, put some respect on him. And speaking more about Minnesota, uh, Greg Gard has the most out of all the other conference teams, Greg Gard's got the most against Minnesota. He is twelve and two all time against them. So uh, good job, Greg, beating your rival, beating the shit out of your rival, uh, which has ultimately led to a, to the overall series. Wisconsin is now up one hundred seven to one hundred four all time against Minnesota. Oh, taking it back, uh, nice. Exactly. So I said, Greg and Gar- Greg guards twelve and two all time against Minnesota. The Badgers have now won sixteen of the last eighteen overall. Uh, if you want a bigger perspective, so I'm. Um, I'm shitting on Minnesota right now as, you know, as God intended. Uh, but no, I mean, and yeah, on top of all that, you know, great guard, a hundred wins. I mean, two big 10 titles, two sweet 16s. I'm very much looking forward to what he can, what, what's going to happen this year. I still believe we can make one hell of a run. Um, but I mean, the six fastest big 10 coach to do it uh, versus, you know, so many other people, so many other guys and, Everyone's calling for his head. So um, it's a, it's a nice shout out that Greg Gard needs right now, especially um, we're winning game and we're winning games, you know, when we score 91 or we score 61, like you said, but we've definitely uh, won games when, uh, you know, we've won plenty of games when we only score 60 a game. So it's a nice breath of fresh air, but we know how to win games in multiple ways. And Greg Gard's a big, big part of the reason why. So kudos to Greg Gard. Yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of that takeaway. Um, Very well done, yeah, Jake. What's <laughs> up to you from last night? So I'm going to continue to shit on Minnesota after I give my first point because I want to finish with shitting on Minnesota just like Mike did. Um, <laughs> so points in the paint, uh, you look at the at the stat sheet and you see 26, and you're like, why are you talking about points in the paint? But really, if you watch that game, the context behind the points in the paint, I really feel like they they started the game with it. And they started the game really, really well. <laughs> Tim's all here for it. Uh, they started the game g- going at Minnesota uh, in the paint, and which is really weird because Minnesota definitely had a size advantage on us. But the Badgers are just too savvy down low. Uh, I don't think we give enough credit to Crowell every once in a while for his footwork, which looks to be improved a little bit. If he was a little bit stronger uh, down low, I think he would he'd be a really nice player. Uh, but Tyler Wall, man, I mean, that guy, that guy. If he was two his, inches taller, he'd be a monster. Dude, his secondary move has a secondary move. I mean, this guy has so many moves. It's insane. 
Um, but I just think that the points in the paint were just so key. They came, they came at key moments. Uh, when Minnesota went on a run, they immediately went back to the paint and they got big-time buckets. To close out the game, yes, they hit a couple three-pointers, but they went down to the paint and they worked the ball from inside to out. And that was that was the key to this game uh, from these set of eyes, which works sometimes very well. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Now I'm going to go to the Badgers' dominance over Minnesota. Uh, I just looked up a, a little – some little little cliff notes and wow, I found some stuff out. I kind of feel bad for the Minnesota coach after I read this one stat. I was like, oh god, that's tough, dude. Um, so from February eighteenth, two thousand to January twenty third, twenty twenty four, last night, the Badgers have twenty wins and five losses versus Minnesota. That's a lot of wins and not a lot of losses. They are currently on a seven game win streak versus Minnesota. The longest win streak in that time frame is eight from February 13th, 2013 to February 19th, 2018. We went on a five-year stretch without losing to them. Yes. That's just mean. They're 11 like the one Packers and the Bears. Yeah, dude. It, it, it feels like it, honestly. They're 11-1 at home, 8-4 and four at Minnesota, and 1-0 in the Big Ten tournament. So, I mean – it doesn't matter where they play. The Badgers are probably going to win. Here's the part where I kind of feel bad for Minnesota's coach. Minnesota coach Ben Johnson is now 0-5 versus the Wisconsin Badgers by a total of 16 points. Oh, yep. They've all been five close. losses by 16 points, dude. That's a That's margin gutty. of 3.2. Yeah, there's That's, a reason why that Vegas spread was only like two and a half last night. I'm like, it, yeah. And when you look at the track record, I'm like, yep, it's going to be close. It's going to be. Ouch. Yeah. I mean, think about it, man. Like, if you lose a close game, you're like, ah, oh, man, that sucks. All right, we'll go on to the next one. You lose, you lose two in a row close. You're like, all right, yeah, just a couple more bounces our way, maybe some free throws. Maybe we box out a little bit better. You get to three, you start being like, all right, I'm getting kind of pissed off. We're up to five. He is 0-5 by 16 points. Oh, my goodness. And he's losing that home and on the road, clearly, because we have a seven-game win streak. So, I mean, that is just – that's just mean. I feel kind of bad for him, but he put on a Minnesota M. You know, I saw that one guy in the crowd, the one kid, and he was like, let's go, let's go. And I wanted to – a loser. A loser. <laughs> loser. And he's not getting Minnesota players. Like, no. he's losing plenty of those. Yeah, they're coming to Wisconsin. Winter is super happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, they, they know they know where the goods is at, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, that Lakeville North pipeline runs straight to Madison. Yes, it does. All right. So you guys touched on a couple of things that I want to talk about, but I'm going to start with offensive efficiency. So the first half, the offense was really efficient, but turnovers put a cap on the scoring total. So they only had 34 points in the first half, despite shooting. 13 for 26 from the field, 50%. 5 of 10 from the three-point line, 50%. And 3 for 4 from the free-throw line, 75%. But um, six turnovers, I believe, was the first half. Um, That said, they made those 13 field goals. They had nine assists on those 13 field goals. So that, to me, is, is a signal of the ball movement, which I'm going to come back to. Now, you get to the second half. And up to the point that Minnesota had started, um, had had taken the lead, actually, I should say. Um, 
the Badgers were seven of 18 from the field and one of four from the three point line. And then they kind of snapped out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess my really only thing with the second half is to just kind of hit that switch quicker, you know, to not let Minnesota back in the game. And I get Minnesota made some super lucky threes in the second half, which was annoying as hell, but it is what it is Mm -hmm. to be able to weather those storms and ultimately still win the game. Like the Badgers did, and on the road in the Big Ten, that is still credit to the Badgers and to Greg Gard for, for being a well-coached team to not panic in those situations, especially on the road. Mm-hmm. Then, finishing the game is my second takeaway. So this goes for both teams. So looking at Minnesota and Wisconsin, for Minnesota to miss the technical free throw and then go one of two under a minute allowed Wisconsin uh, to really kind of take control of the game. Mm-hmm. Then Wisconsin allowing an offensive rebound on a horrible three-point shot by Dawson Garcia was was tough, and it was by like a six-two point guard. And I get that they're mm-hmm. trying to box out Payne, the really big, strong center that Minnesota has, who was causing yeah. some problems for the Badgers. But you can't let be you can't be letting point guards flying in and grabbing offensive rebounds, especially yeah. not in the last minute of games. Luckily, it didn't end up hurting the Badgers because the Badgers, unlike Minnesota, were able to make their last four free throws to gain a three-point lead. Then back to Minnesota. The Badgers, I think, did the smart thing by fouling to put Minnesota on the line for two free throws instead of letting them try to get a, you know, get a good look at a three-point shot to tie the game. But back to the Minnesota side. Credit to the dude shooting the free throws. He made the first one, and he missed the second one. And credit to the dude who judged the rebound. He almost pulled it off. Yeah, that was insane. Oh, we got you better blocking out, man. I think that was store on that free on the free throw that kind of let him go. Yeah, and on oh, that offensive rebound actually that you were talking about. I think it was store on both of them. But yeah, I I just yelled at my kid for not boxing out in his game on Saturday. And I was like, dude, if you don't box out, you're going to be running for the next seven hours straight. And then I watched the Badgers not box out in a couple of critical moments. Except for Tyler Wall. Because Tyler Except Wall did Tyler get Wall. his box out, and he was able to draw a tough, uh, not, yeah, offensive loose ball foul yep. uh, for, I believe it was Garcia pulling on his jersey. He went and knocked yep. down both of his free throws. So shout out to Tyler Wall because that was a huge play at that moment of that game. Bro, if you grow up to be six five to six nine, and you are fundamentally sound, you are a D one athlete. Just stamp it. I, I'm. I don't care what anybody says. You don't have to be the most athletic kid. You don't have to have the best jump shot because Tyler Wall is neither of those things. He is. He has good footwork, and he's a very smart player. But being fundamentally sound has literally made him a Big Ten D one basketball player. Yeah. And one he of the better ones for the Badgers. He only What's had that? one turnover too this last game. Mm, yeah. He's doing. He played. You said smart. I had to bring that up because I know last week I definitely jived mm-hmm. on him a little bit. I think I forget <clears> which <throat> game that was. Where he had four. It was Penn State. He had like four. Was it five turnovers in that game? And he just looked really out of place at times. So it was a nice bounce back. He played real smart, like you said. He was making the right plays yeah. for the most part. So yeah, that was good to see. All right, then the last thing that I want to say something about as far as the uh, the Minnesota game is concerned is let's let's stop doing the it's only Minnesota thing. Stop doing the it's only this team, it's only this team. It's 
It's this team for crying out loud. Stop doing that. Especially for college basketball. Especially for college basketball. College basketball, is the reason people love it is because of the upsets. Because the underdogs can beat the juggernauts any given night. Kentucky lost last night. South Carolina stormed the court. That's why people love college basketball, because those things can happen anytime. Anytime the the number one, number two, number three, those teams can lose to a team that has four wins on the season. They can, you know, a 16-seed UMBC can beat Virginia. That's why people love the sport. Stop doing this. It's only this team who is, like, kind of mid- versus the team who's leading the Big Ten right now. Anybody can beat anybody in college basketball. Two things. One, uh, Tyler, no, that's just you assuming that's what uh, people meant. And two, did Kaylee yeah. Clark get ran over when they stormed the court, or was it only the one time? Did you what see was, her get ran? Did you see Kaylee Kay- Clark get ran over? I did, yeah. Bro, I don't she think she got ran over. They, two people ran into each other, but – yeah, <laughs> Barry says the one game was a good one to watch too. We were doing some play breakdowns, so I did not watch that game, but yeah, I heard good things about it. And Wisconsin owns Minnesota. I mean, things that we know, right? That's true. Yeah, put that under things we know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else you guys want to say about Indiana or Minnesota? <clears throat> uh, suck it. Okay. Yeah, we uh, shit on noted. Minnesota pretty good, so I, I'm all right. Uh, it, all right. Noted. Uh, all right. So the Badgers <laughs> only have one game between now and next Wednesday. They play Michigan State on Friday. So, Mike, what are your two goals for the Michigan State game? Yeah. So um, going into this, we're gonna the Badgers per Joe Lenardi, we're number seven overall in bracketology. So call yep. that out real quick. Two seed, which is very impressive. The kid, the kids are going to be back this week for this Friday's game, so I expect the Cole Center to be absolutely nuts when Sparty comes to town, as they should be. Um, yeah. Cannot wait to watch this game. Uh, the first goal I have is we we got to contain Tyson Walker. Um, I think one of the one of the weaknesses this team has, in my view, is defending quick guards, and I do think, yeah, it's one of I think it's one of our weaknesses, our Achilles' heel. Because we've had, I mean, whether it was, you know, yesterday, Hawkins definitely got his, or Penn State, you know, getting their own shots, too, to the bucket or from the outside. Um, That's something that's kind of trending in the wrong direction. And Tyson Walker, he's averaging close to 20 a game. Uh, That's good for fourth overall in the Big Ten. So if we can contain him and hold him up and try and, you know, limit him to what he can do, um, we should be right in this. So uh, then my second goal the last time we played Michigan State, we had 11 offensive rebounds for set for 19 second chance points. We need to do that again. We need to get aggressive and get the and get those second chance opportunities against these guys. Granted, Malik Hall is going to be back for this game. He was out last time, and he's definitely a main catalyst of what Michigan State likes to do. Um, but you know, if, if we still stay aggressive, like on the glass, and you know, get those second chance opportunities. Um, and you know, replicate this at home again. I don't see why we can't come out with a hard fought, another hard fought victory in the Big Ten. Um, you know, even though Michigan State's play, playing pretty well right now, they just got a big road win at Maryland. They just beat Minnesota as well the game before that. So it's going to be two teams that are coming off a few wins here to, um, 
you know, that are, are playing good basketball right now. So looking forward to it. Yeah. And uh, getting another win versus Tom Izzo would be awesome. So yes. um, Jake, what are your two goals for Friday night? Yeah, I was going to, I was going to start mine by saying that Michigan state starting to look like Michigan state, in my opinion, uh, they haven't been right all season and until recently, in my opinion. But I just want to protect home court versus Michigan State. That's my first goal. Uh, always, no matter the opponent, I want to protect home court. If you're going to be a top team, they're ranked 11th uh, last week. They ranked 13th last night. Um, I want You have to protect home court. doesn't matter who the opponent is. We have a game against Purdue. I'm going to expect the same thing. Somebody comes into your house, this is your house. Nobody comes in my house and takes my stuff, okay? It's just point blank period. That's just how I feel. So protect home court. Two, this one's kind of a personal thing. It has nothing to do with the Badgers, but I want them to crack the top 10, man. Uh, it's been a while. I would like to see like a number 10 or a number eight or, you know, we'll just go all the way to number one. I would like to see that next to Wisconsin's name. Uh, I think that would be that would make me feel good. So I'm looking to feel good and I would really like to feel good. Uh, so please protect home court against Michigan State and crack the top ten. Uh, Barry said, "Hope hope the Big Ten Network will have that, that game." I'm, I'd be pretty. I think confident. it's FS1. It is FS1. I think it's, it's FS1. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It is FS1. So yeah, it'll be on Fox Sports then. Our our next two games are on FS. Oh no, I lied. Nebraska's on Big Ten Network. I lied. I'm sorry. Okay. The Purdue game is on CBS. So I was going Big Network. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Um, so my two goals, first one is to cut down turnovers in the first half. Uh, I know Mike has had the goal of getting off to some fast starts, looking at the Minnesota game, uh, some turnovers and foul trouble, got the game off to a little bit of a back and forth, a little bit of a sloppy start, go back to the Indiana game, Indiana and Wisconsin combined for seven turnovers in the first five minutes. And then even going back to the Penn state game, that game started off sloppy as well. And the Badgers were down double digits before the first media timeout. So cutting down first half turnovers is my first goal. And my mm -hmm. second goal is still to move the ball faster. I'm going to harp on this until it happens. Uh, I might just be able to pen it in every week, but the Badgers move the ball faster, please, because it, it works so well for their offense when they have the ball moving quickly. Whether And it doesn't have to be just passing the ball quickly, but just quicker decisions in general, whether it be to pass or to dribble. But standing there, like, going four or five pump fakes while everybody else recovers defensively and then catches their breath, that's not it. That does not mama the Mia. That definitely doesn't mama the Mia. It definitely does not mama the Mia. So I, I want to I want to mama the Mia, so let's move the ball faster. It's going to be interesting how they defend Stephen Crowell, I think, on Friday. Because if you recall that last game, he went 4-4 four four from the three-point line. If you, you remember that, yeah, yeah, just yeah, in the beginning because of the game, was, he hit I was right two. after I went on a rant about him for four minutes about catching the ball facing the sideline, yeah. So, and I'll do and it again. If you look at even last night, Minnesota didn't double team Stephen Crawl either, either in the post. So, I'm curious, like, how Michigan State um attacks that because, like I said Mal earlier, Malik Hall is coming back too, and that's a little bit of size. So, I'm curious if Izzo lets him play one on one or if they, uh, do whatever he, basically what every other Big Ten team does and uh and doubles them and makes makes them you know forces them to make makes those make yeah. those decisions. He had a big time three point shot last night too, and he shot it confidently yeah. and it went right. You know they they were talking about it on the broadcast. They're like, he has the ability to shoot threes, and then all of a sudden right on cue he just cashes it. And I'm like, yep, dude, you shoot like three a game. Like I'm not gonna be mad at you. 
I'm even the one that he missed was a good three. one. Every game, I will be happy. Yeah. I would literally be happy if he made one out of three every game. <laughs> because it does more than just give us three points. Yeah, it makes the defenses guard him out there, which spreads it out. Exactly. Which you give Tyler Wall more one-on-one opportunities. Or, Max Klesman, AJ Store, Chucky Give more opportunities for backcourt like, Yep. That opens things up for everybody. Yep. All right. So, Mike, we will see you next week again. And, oh, Brad, uh, Terrence Shannon Jr., uh, I, that does not mama the Mia either. No, I'm not, I'm not touching that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, there's still Sorry, so much we don't know. Um, yeah. 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 That's, I, know, I, I have the, no, yeah, I'm definitely for the full story on that. You know, Tyler's talking about mama the Mia. This is a no bueno for me. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All righty. Mike, we will talk to you soon then. And uh, hopefully next week I can get you a little bit of Badgers info. So we'll, we will uh, talk soon. And yes. other than that, Go Badgers, and we will see you next week. Later, fellas. Later, brother. All right, so this will tie in nicely because Barry had to had to throw it right in there that the Doc is ready to see you. So we will talk about Doc Rivers in just a second, but, Jake, give me your power pair first, and then uh, we'll, we'll get into some discussions about Doc Rivers. We'll get into some stuff. We'll get into all the stuff and the things, okay? Oh, yeah. So- so be yeah. ready for the stuff and the things. But first, we're going to talk about a guy named Damian Lillard. He is my first of my power pair. He scored 79 points total, grabbed 13 rebounds and 24 assists. That's an average of 26.3, 4.3, and 8 assists. He shot 40% from the field and 31% from the three-point line. He had a quote where he talked about not being able to really fit into the Griff's offense. So, I mean, that could have been a decision-maker as well. I mean, you don't trade for Damian Lillard and not let him be Damian Lillard, right? right? Um, He added four steals. And the craziest thing is, obviously, everybody knows that that Cavaliers game was just not not good. It was just bad stuff, right? We were on national television. Yeah, crumple it up, throw it it behind you. He finished that game as a minus 26, Mm -hmm. as, you know, everybody was bad in that game. Mm -hmm. Uh, He finished the week plus 12. I mean, scoring 45 will help. Yeah, he was plus. And the craziest thing is, that's not even as high as plus minus. He, had a, he was a plus 18 that game. Oh, so there's more to the game than just scoring. Interesting. There is, which is really, really weird. Um, and then yeah, we should just kick the Nassus off the team because there's guys in the G League that could average more points. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah. They also don't understand how. You Never mind. I'm not going to get into that yet. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Bro, I just want to just... Uh. We've done it so many times, and people still don't understand. So, my next power pair player is Brooke Lopez. Uh, he scored 45 points, grabbed 25 rebounds, had 8 assists. He's been uh, playmaker Brooke the last couple of games against the, mm. the Pistons. Uh, that's an average of 15 points, 8.3 rebounds, and 2.6 assists. He shot 62% from the field, 33% from the three-point line, had two steals, 10 blocks, and he finished with a minus one, which is still insane because he was minus thirty-four in the Cavs game. Ooh. So he's been he's been plus thirty-three the last two games, plus fourteen and plus nineteen respectively. I like it. Um, so Jake emitted his underrated performer. I am also going to omit mine out until I give my power pair. So mm-hmm. I'm going to start with Giannis. He averaged 31, 13 and a half rebounds, nine and a half assists, two and a half steals, one and a half blocks. In the two games over the Pistons, he did not play versus the Cavaliers. Um, in those two games, he averaged 51.2% of field goals. 
16.7% on threes. We're going to talk about that, so I'm just going to skip over it really quickly right now. Also, 59.9% on free throws. Don't love that either, but we'll talk about that also. Uh, number two, I have Chris Middleton. He only averaged 15, 3, and 3, a little bit slow for, for his, you know, what we expect from him. Um, but 41.7% on field goals, 33.3 from the three-point line, and 83.3% from the free-throw line. He also passed Glenn Robinson for third all-time on the Milwaukee Bucks franchise scoring list, which we will talk about a little bit more when we get into Monday's game. Mm-hmm. But looking at um, – yes, Barry, we did see Amazon did – they didn't buy it. They became like a, a minority stakeholder. But, yes, Amazon will have Bally Sports. We don't know when – but it is going to happen. Um, the Brewers and the Bucks are um, some of the teams that are going to be available on it. I will say I've been trying to find the games on there the last couple nights. But when you go on there and you look up Bucks, there is certain games that are on there. So I'm sure that they're trying to get all the production mm-hmm. ready for that. So I did see the upcoming game against the Nuggets. That's actually next Monday, if Monday. I'm not Yep. We were, um, yeah, we're I saw that one on there. Watch party for that. So, um, but also it is announced that the Brewers will be on there. So every Brewers yep. game should be on there. Yep. Uh, I would think that they would uptick, you know, or offer a package for five extra dollars a month or whatever, where you can watch all the baseball games because the might just be included. To be honest with you, it might. I mean, the Tigers are on there, the Marlins are on there, the Royals think, are on there. I think the Royals are one of them. Yeah, there's there's a. There's like five or six teams that are mm-hmm. baseball teams yep. that are going to be on Amazon. So you might just be able to watch all of them. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be certainly a way to maybe get people watching some more baseball games. Yeah, that'd be really cool, actually. Own, in their own market. Uh-huh. All right. So we omitted underrated performers because Jake and I are combining ours, and we are giving it to John Horst. John Horst is the underrated performer this week. Uh, it takes it takes some stones to, to fire a coach who is 30 and 13. It does. And, you know, I am I am thankful for Adrian Griffin, especially for him to have nothing but good things and gratitude on his way out. I appreciate that um, to not leave, you know, with bitterness and be like, you know, I feel like I didn't, you know, get enough time to do what I wanted or, you know, to feel slighted or whatever. Adrian Griffin, he went out thankful, and I appreciate that from him. Yeah, show some class. I appreciate that as well. But, yep. yeah, to uh, – for – let me phrase this correctly. For Horst to be able to fire a championship coach, what's going on, buddy? Um, for Horst to be able to fire a championship coach and Coach Bud, yeah. two interviews, hire Griff through a lot of scrutiny, to be honest with you, and then realize that things were not going right and to make a change at this moment in time, that just goes to show that John Horst, a big brain. Oh, quite yeah. frankly um we said in the respect on him when he got damian lillard but yeah i mean factors into it as well extending Giannis, trading for dame i mean trading for drew holiday i mean what what else needs to be say, said about this guy for him to start getting the respect around the league not just from bucks fans but i don't think he gets talked about enough around the league for all the the winning moves that he makes he Keeping makes hard Chris. decisions Keeping Chris, keeping Brooke Lopez when the reports were that the Houston Rockets offered him more money. Yeah, I mean that's that's crazy stuff. Create he he's kind of a, <clears throat> he's a pretty big catalyst for creating this culture that's up in Milwaukee right now. Absolutely. Really yeah, uh, Beard Scotson said, "What's up? Just talking some bucks like we do." 
Um, so Barry said the doc is ready to see you. Now we talked a little bit about this. If you want more of like a deep dive on, on how we think about the Bucks uh, firing Griffin and what they're moving forward doing. Uh, we talked mm -hmm. about it for about a half an hour yesterday with a bunch of interaction, which we appreciate. Um, but I want to say on listening to Adrian Wojnarowski talk more about him today, mm -hmm. um, a few things that he said that stood out. One, that Doc Rivers is a multi-year deal. So he's going to be here not just for the end of the season, but probably next year, and I would guess the following. So I'm guessing probably like a two-and-a-half-year deal, maybe three-and-a-half, I guess. But I guess what my guess would probably be about two-and-a-half. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the Bucks apparently, according to Wojnarowski, did not have a plan B if it was not Doc Rivers. So the rumored interest in Nate McMillan or Jeff Van Gundy, that was all just rumors. It was basically like Doc Rivers was who we want. Then the Bucks wanted a veteran coach with playoff championship experience who was not currently employed by another team. Check, check, check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Literally just checking off boxes. Yeah. Now, uh, Barry said, I think with Doc being the coach, players will want to come play in Milwaukee. I could see it. I could see I think, coaches, you know, uh, Doc Rivers having a little bit of extra pull as a coach. And <clears throat> like I said yesterday, if you have a chance, go watch the coaches. I believe it's Coaches Playbook for Life. There is an episode about Doc Rivers in there. I watched it. I watched it in like December, and it gave me a it gave me a respect for Doc Rivers that I didn't have. So um, Pat said, "Was Doc already mentoring uh, Griffin?" Uh, I believe the word they used was consulting. Yeah. It was early December. They said that they were consulting with with uh, Doc Rivers. Um, yeah, bro, oh. that's never going to happen. Um, <laughs> so that too gives Doc Rivers a little bit of insight, not necessarily experience, but he does have insight on on what's going on with the team. Right. Um, yeah, mentoring, consulting. It's whatever. It is what it is. That's I'm just using the terminology that was used uh, mm -hmm. when people were describing it. So. Doc does have a little bit of, you know, insight into what's going on with the team and potentially what to fix it. And like I brought up yesterday in the live that we did, Doc Rivers has a pretty good defensive track record. The Bucks offensively, I think you can just, you could probably just let Damon Giannis just, you know, play and you'd probably be able to score 130 a night. But Doc Rivers is being brought in to, to tighten up the defense. I, I literally have zero worries about the offense. We have got, we have. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Damian Lillard and Giannis, for fuck's sakes, dude. Like, sorry yep. for swearing if you don't like swearing, but... We have Dame and Giannis, okay? The, the offense is going to be fine. I mean, Malik Beasley, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis when he's right. I always watch Bobby Portis' first shot when he takes a, a turnaround jumper from the post. If he makes it, it's going to be a good Bobby Portis night. If he misses it, he's going to have to start hustling on the offensive rebounds. That's literally just how I see it. That's fair. Defensively-wise, we got a lot of things to tighten up, okay? First of all, I am so sick and tired of seeing guys run wide open to the rim. That, that, oh my God. Giving up wide open layups and giving up offensive rebounds is just two of the easiest ways in bat when I'm watching a basketball game to piss me off. Open three point shots, those happen. Okay. Those happen. They, they do because there's so much spacing and there's so much ball movement and there's so much fast break, fast paced basketball nowadays. You're going to get open shooters. But letting guys walk to the rim, no, unacceptable. Yeah. So we need to tighten that up. Yeah, we, we need to use Brooke Lopez how Brooke Lopez is supposed to be used. Yeah. He should I'm not gonna, be that far away from the basket. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm going to get to this question in just a second. The last thing that Wojnarowski mentioned today is that Dave Yeager could be coming along with Doc Rivers. And we talked a little about yesterday about mm-hmm. being interested in bringing Terry Stotts back. I would be just as excited for Dave Yeager to come along with Doc Rivers because he's an offensive guy. I went back to my notes. I got right here all my coaching candidate notes. Dave Yeager was one of my uh, candidates for the Milwaukee Bucks job. So I'm just going to read real quick what I had when I took notes on Dave Yeager. So my notes say offensively runs a lot of post up with Memphis, Zach Randolph, and Marcus Saul. They were third in the NBA in post points. Um, Adrian was a defensive coach, but he was an offensive assistant coach. Yeah. Some guys are just meant to be assistants. Um, mm-hmm. so very odd question. Who's coaching the team tonight? It's probably going to be Joe Prunty because they're on the road. If they were at home, I could see it being doc, but it's probably going to be Joe Prunty. Um, in Sacramento, when Dave Yeager was there, they were seventh. Um, in Sacramento, he increased the offensive pace when they drafted deer and Fox Dave Yeager wanted the Kings to draft Luka Doncic over Marvin Bagley. So 
He's he's got something going for him, you know, oh. in the brains department. He wants to play fast. He's credited by Bleacher Report for adaptability. The quote that they had in there was his offense works best with freakish athletes. We literally have the Greek freak. So that to me was already a great, you know, potential pairing with with Dave Yeager was Giannis. And then looking at when he was with Memphis, uh, Memphis was a top 10 defense for four seasons when he was made the lead defensive assistant. Uh, they went from 25 to 9 to 8 to number 2 oh, damn. in his four seasons. Um, he was also credited for getting more out of the whole than the sum of its parts. I am fully on board with bringing Dave Yeager in alongside Doc Rivers. Yeah, I think that would be a tremendous hire. Uh, originally, I was all on the Terry Stotts train, but hearing Dave Yeager's come, Dave Dave Yeager's name come up is it's definitely interesting. Yep. Uh, I think it could be a good pairing. Uh, just adding more experience to the Bucks bench, which is obviously needed. Uh, I agree, Giannis would be great with, with uh, any, any. I have one obvious omission from that. What's that? The the Giannis would be great with any coach. The one name that I would take out of that is Nick yeah. Nurse. Was Nick Nurse? Nick Nurse. Giannis I mean, said specifically by name he did not want Nick Nurse to be the head coach. It's listen, Giannis would be great with any coach. It's just that he doesn't want to play for him. I agree. Still need um, players to have that mentality. I think dad, that that's something. This is something that my dad's instilled in me it, it, about coaching is that you have to be able to to lead a room, right? You have to be a leader and you have to be able to motivate. And I think that's the one thing that people are not taking into consideration with Doc Rivers. This guy has championship experience. This guy has championship or bust season experience. Definitely with that 08 team. And I agree with Brad, he would still be honest. But the thing that Doc's going to get out of these players, he's going to get the most out of them. He's going to put them in the right position. And it's up to the players now to execute. Giannis yep. talks all the time about creating good habits. Well, those good habits start right now. Yep. Um, and also, with... I want to answer Barry's question real quick, but I, I believe it's going to be uh, Prunty coaching the team tonight. I don't think that Doc's going to coach them tonight. Yeah, yep. that's what I was saying too. Um, and I think, Pat, we've talked about it. We broke down we, – we published them right before the show, mm-hmm. um, having players to have the mentality. The Bucks have capable defenders. It just wasn't consistent enough. Yeah, the – and I, I called it out a couple of weeks ago. They were just switching too much. There was there was too it, it was it was too much. I mean, yeah. the ideas were there. I, right. I respect Griffin for the ideas of the switching and the ball pressure yeah. and the the run the zone defense. Everyone's went on. I, I respect the ideas. Yep. He, he was definitely in the ideas department. That's that's assistant coach talk right there. Just right? a little too radical, maybe. But the, all the switching and then. Guys need to be in certain spots for this defense and then switching to this defense. I think it was just too much, man. Sometimes if it ain't broke, you don't need to fix it, right? Brooke right. Lopez blocks shots. Giannis roams. And we're going to have some guys jump in some passing lanes and hopefully stopping some of the dribble drive penetration. That's yep. what needs to happen. And closing out on shooters. I'll add that in there. Agreed. <clears throat> um, Courtney says hi. Hola, como estas? Yeah, chase. Yeah, I agree. Chasing doesn't work. But I mean, I get chasing guys off the three point line, but that's running guys off the three point line, which I guess is different. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving into some potential trade deadline things. And Jake, we talked about this a little bit with Mike before we started the show was, yeah. you know, why now? And Mike asked us if we were surprised by the timing of the move. 
And we kind of said yes until we started talking it out loud more. And the fact that the trade deadline is about two weeks away. And the Bucks are expected to be very active, as John Horst always has been. So Beard Wisconsin asked the question, who are we moving by the deadline? And Jake, my answer to you was, I think the guys, the top three guys who are most likely to be traded are Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, and Marjan Bochamp. And now I want to preface this by saying I love all three of these players. Mm-hmm. And Jake, I'm going to let you say what you said about this. But it was addressed in a comment earlier today in one of the Bucks posts that we had was, why are people trying to get rid of Bobby Portis? And it's not that we're trying to get rid of Bobby Portis. We're not calling other teams, asking them to take Bobby Portis from us. That's not what we are wanting as Wisco Fanatics or what we think that John Horse is going to be doing when he's right. making phone calls. But... If John Horst is looking to make trades, like a trade for the rumored DeJounte Murray deal, the one that I brought up two weeks ago, is if you want a guy like DeJounte Murray, you have to be able to match salary and you have to at least give something to get something. So unfortunately, Bobby Portis is probably going to be in that deal. And reason being the Bucs could be willing to part with him is because he's had a pretty inconsistent January. Yeah, I love Bobby Portis, but there, you can't deny it. You look at the stats, and they're there. They tell you he's been inconsistent. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, how much what how much of that was coaching. Maybe Bobby didn't fit into the offense, like Dame said he didn't fit into the offense, right? But the thing that I said is, man, I love Bobby Portis a lot, man. I love screaming at my TV when Bobby gets an and one, he gets the crowd yeah. pumped up. I mean, it's it's awesome, honestly, but. We are in a championship or bust season. When we signed, when we signed this guy, it it was done. We're, we're it's it's not fun. It's we're we're not yep. here to have a good time. We're here yep. to hoist the trophy. That's what yep. it became, right? And that pressure was applied by the superstar of this of this franchise, Giannis. And with that pressure comes hard decisions, which obviously John Horse has no problem with. He makes it look like they're easy decisions. I don't know how he does it, but he's just like, hey, it's got to happen, right? And the thing that I said to to you and Mike was we are not in the business of relationships when we're talking about sports. We're in the business of results. And right now, Bobby Portis isn't giving you results. He's, you know, the, the, it seems, this is really hard for me to say, but I have to say it. Uh, It it almost seems like the team is winning despite of him sometimes. I'm I'm sorry to say that, but that's what it, that's what it looks like sometimes. Especially on defense. We're going to talk about this. We're going to start getting into some games here. The yeah. Bucks, the Bucks bench, it, ha- it has to be more productive. And yeah. and as much as we've loved Pat Connaughton since he was brought here, and he was kind of the bridge between Dame and Giannis, it he's a hustle guy. But he, we need we need more scoring off the bench specifically. And if it means bringing in Dejounte Murray to slot into the starting lineup and having Malik Beasley come off the bench to just flamethrow, that would be awesome. And DeJounte Murray would also give the boost uh, to the defense as well. So that, to me, is a is a home run potential trade. That's why I suggested it two weeks ago. So kudos to I would that. I would love DeJounte Murray off the bench and stagger his minutes with Dame and Giannis. And, and we get oh a backup point guard and we don't have to use campaign anymore. Oh, my God, dude. That would literally be perfect. He could run the, he could oh, run the I'd love to look smart for it, too. <laughs> Dude, and if if we did get – who am I thinking of? I'm sorry. Marquette, Marquette, your other guy you wanted in the trade. Wesley Matthews? 
if we got Wesley Matthews in the deal as well, you're talking about a, a hard nosed, you know, defender that wants the matchup, right? So basically a player coach at that point, yeah, too. I would love that. Uh, Brett's or Brett said, Jake and Tyler, as much as I love Bobby Portis, getting DeJounte Murray would be killer, and he just signed a four-year extension. He'd be a piece for the future with Giannis and Dame. Absolutely. Also, for the now and the future, even after Dame, could be Giannis and play with Murray. I actually would be very interested to see what that would look like. Uh, he's mm -hmm. proving it lately as he keeps improving, which by Bill Michaels, I can't believe in people. <laughs> yeah. He's a defensive and offensive gem, which Bobby can help us one more. And I, and I get it. And it, it would be a bummer. And unfortunately, we're probably going to talk about this on Friday night when we talk about the Packers, but A.J. Dillon could be one of those pieces too, where he's we love him for who he is, but the Bucks are not in the business of just keeping guys around because we like them. We're not going to act like Bears fans, okay? They all want to keep Justin Fields because he's a nice guy, and we agree. Yep. Justin Fields is a really nice guy, okay? I'm yep. not going to say that he's not, but <laughs> – that's a good question, Beards Wisconsin. Can we swap Payne and Portis? I would love that. I'm on board. <laughs> the only problem is that campaign makes about nine million dollars less than Bobby Portis. Yeah, um, nine million uh, less impact as well. But uh, I'll I'll say this: uh, if AJ Dillon has to go, AJ Dillon has to go. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be money situations coming up for the Packers in the next couple of years, and he just might not fit in that that scenario. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but again, it's unfortunately winning is the priority. Yeah, we're called Title Town. Okay, I don't think we need to explain that. That's yeah. All right. <laughs> at least I hope not. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> so we are going to try to run through these uh, recaps pretty quickly because our goal is to get done by five fifteen, so that we can put the Milwaukee Bucks press conference that's starting at five fifteen uh, on the screen with us, and we are planning to kind of have like a, a watch party with us uh, with the Bucks. Um, with the Bucks press conference that John Horse is having. So um let's get into uh, it. Can you imagine if we get Portis and Thibel? I'm assuming he means Murray and Thibel or assume, or Murray assume. or Thibel. Either way, Matisse Thibel would kind of be like a consolation. Yeah. I would I would much rather have DeJounte Murray because he gives you offense as well, whereas Thibel gives you mostly just defense. I agree. Um but he meant Murray and Thibel. Um Murray and Thibel would be fucking gross, dude. Oh. Yeah, I don't know that we're going to have enough to get both, but if they could, that would be insane. Dude, Thibel instantly is a guy you throw on, on Jason Tatum. Instantly. Yeah, that would be really interesting if they were able to pull it off both. But, Jake, give me your quick rundown from, from what stood out to you against the Cavs last Wednesday. So, the Cleveland Cavaliers game was just honestly just ridiculous. I mean, no Giannis in this game. He had a hurt shoulder. But this game started 22-2. to two. For the Cavaliers, if that tells you anything, right? Um, the the Cavaliers were just getting any shot they wanted. They were running early and often, kind of running the Bucks out of the building. I mean, if you look at the score, that's exactly what it looked like. Dame was having an off day. Chris was having an off day. I mean, yep. it just really felt like nothing was going right. And when your first person off the bench, George's Niang, comes in the game and he has, you know, five threes, six threes in a row, and they're all wide open, and people are just running to the rim. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, man. Yeah. So, really, all I have to say is welcome back, Jay Crowder. It was really nice to have you back. Yep. Uh, nice to get get you get your legs under you. But other than that, man, this was just an unacceptable performance from a team that's trying to win a championship. Uh, I'll be honest; the third quarter is really the one that I only had the problem with. Um, Reggie, you could be excited for the future, and you could be talking about any of our teams, and I would agree with you. 
Um, the third quarter is really the problem quarter for me. 42 points is too high. 32, 34, 27 isn't ideal outside of that. Um, but the Bucks defense, or sorry, the Bucks offense is plenty capable of winning 140 to 120 every night if they allow 30 a quarter. Uh, which brings me to the efficiency. The Bucks were 17 of 47 on field goals, um, two for seven on threes by the starters. Mm-hmm. And if you take out Brooke Lopez and Andre Jackson Jr., it gets way worse. Yeah. So you, you mentioned Dame, Chris, and Beasley just off night. Um, the three-point shooting was a big decider. The Bucks and the Cavaliers both made 12 threes, but the Bucks took 42 and the Cavs took 28. Yep. That was that was the big thing there. And then the last thing that I want to say before we can just kind of move on from this is the Bucks only attempted 10 free throws. Even with Giannis not playing, that number should be higher. Damian Lillard should be getting 10 free throws by himself. I agree. Last thing I'll say, again, playing without Giannis makes things a little bit different. We're not contenders without Giannis. That's not a delusion that anybody has. Um, and again, shout out to Jay Crowder. He made four threes in his return, so good for him. Yep. We can um, we can move away from this game right away now. Uh, Brett said, I swear if Niang does it again tonight, like, man, he's on fire. You know who I miss on the Cavs? Sam Merrill. The year we won it all and drafted him. It's like AJ Green with a three-point shot. I'm not. I'm not mad at losing Sam Merrill because we got Grayson Allen for him, and Grayson Allen gave us some pretty good contributions. But Niang, since he's been with the 76ers, he's been a Bucks killer. He's just annoying. But yeah. it is what it is. The the Cavaliers are hot. They've won what nine straight games now. Yeah, they're playing so, really good basketball right now. Yeah, they're playing well. All right, <clears throat> what stood out to you from Saturday's Bucks and Pistons game? Well, didn't have this one on the bingo card. The Bucks 141 and the Pistons 135. Uh, with that 141, the Bucks have now set a new team record uh, with their seventh game of 140 points. So, fuck yeah to that. Uh, Giannis 31, 10, and 9. That's tremendous stuff in his return. And then Damian Lillard 45, 6, and 11. I mean, <laughs> that'll play. <laughs> I mean, holy crap. You're getting 76 points and uh, 20 assists. And 16 rebounds from two players. Uh, Let me throw in the third one. If you do the Bucks big three, you get 93 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. Um, or sorry, 24 assists. Um, and then if you add Brooke Lopez, the big four gives you 112 points, 31 rebounds, 28 assists, only seven turnovers, five steals, and six blocks. Jesus. <laughs> From four dudes. That's wild. That's the Pistons production on the season. <laughs> it is. Um, I mean, the Bucks shot 55% from the field. Uh, the Pistons made a lot of crazy three-pointers. That's just – it happens. I, uh, that's that's all I got. They, they shot way too many free throws as well. But the Bucks getting 49 free throws. Jesus Christ. Yeah. This one is almost like, okay, swallow the whistle <laughs> a little bit. Um Shout out to Chris Middleton. He bounced back a little bit after a bad shooting game in Cleveland. He shot 42% from the field, 43% from the three-point line. Did miss a couple free throws, but we know that Chris Middleton is a good free throw shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Pat Connaughton, this is his second straight shooting efficient game. Um, I'm I'm willing to be patient on Pat, but again, if if we can get some assets for him, I'm, I'm willing but sad to part with Pat Connaughton. Um, he did have 10 of the Bucks, 18 bench points in this game. And then... I want to throw this out there because I saw people talking shit. Put a little bit of respect on Alec Burks. You look at the dude, like his numbers, 
and people are just like, oh, we allowed a guy who averages 13 points to score 33. Like, if you know ball, you know that Alec Burks is a bucket. We've talked about him as a potential buyout option, that if he gets bought out, we would mm-hmm. happily take him on the Bucks. 100%. If you look at look at his three-point percentages by year, I wrote them down for you. This is by year, his career three-point percentages. 40, 41, 40, 42, 38, 42, 37, 38, 33, 33, 41, 38. He is a shooter. Damn. Yeah, that dude is a bucket. Put a little bit of respect on Alec Burks. Agreed. Um, Tyler secretly calls Adamus Willie, too. I mean, it's his name, so. (laughs) True. (laughs) All right. Now, let's talk about Monday's Pistons game. What stood out to you from that one? Um, yeah, Beards Gonson said, Fook, yeah, give me that buyout. I would take Alec Burks in a heartbeat. He can be our bench Malik Beasley. Yeah, for damn straight. <laughs> yeah, damn yeah. straight. Well, quickly, you were on board. <laughs> oh, Malik Beasley? Oh, we have two of them two now? Malik yeah, you're screwed. You are screwed. <laughs> Just camp him in the corner. You're done. You're yeah. done. You, yeah. that Dude, that would be fucking lit. I'm not even going to lie to you. All right. So this next one. Uh, Bucks ended up winning this one, win number 30, so that's awesome. Uh, obviously, the last game of the Griffin era. Uh, they played a little bit – they played much better defense in this one, but I, I also think that, you know, the Pistons just weren't making bullshit, to be completely honest. They were taking a lot of the same shots, and they just weren't making bullshit. Um, Giannis was still on the same shit, though, 31-17-10. I mean, his sixth triple-double of the, se- of the season. Uh, Chris Middleton added 26, very efficient, 9-14 from the field for him. Uh, Damian Lillard was kind of off on the shooting night, but 17, 5, and 8, he always makes an impact because, like, you, like you've like you brought up, he has gravity. Like any, any other superstar player, they have a lot of sets of eyes on them at all times when they have a ball. Uh, Brooke Lopez, another double-double for him, uh, back-to-back for him, actually. So that's that's a really good sign to see for him being a little bit more aggressive uh, in the rebounding department. But overall, just a uh, pretty good game. They won. Uh, they're going to be back at it tonight, so hopefully they can get – Three in a row. So I'm going to jump straight to the second half. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. I know that we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Is Giannis, 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 Giannis. I, I love you so much. You are the greatest Wisconsin sports athlete ever. But, buddy, the game is within four points. Shooting dribble pull-up threes is not the move. I just I, I I just I need Giannis to know that that's not his game, and and I'll throw this out there. I didn't know this when I watched this game, but I think Doc Rivers will reel him in on that. He might let him get away with one here and there, but Doc Rivers isn't going to be letting Giannis really be doing what what he wants to do, mm-hmm. um, pulling threes when the game is close. Yeah, that's not if you fly. have if you have forty seven points and we're up by twenty on the hot on the Hornets, like let it fly. Yeah. But the game's within four points. That's that's not the time to be shooting threes with 20 seconds on the shot clock. I agree. Um, Damian Lillard made a three that broke 16 straight missed threes by the Bucks. So my thing is, is that, again, like they do, people were complaining about the three-point shooting and just the fact that the Bucks didn't beat the Pistons by 10,000 points. Yeah, So I mean, whatever. The Pistons scored 113. Their season average is 112. So they scored 0.6 more than their average. 
But the Bucks shot um, 10 for 39 on three-pointers. It's about 25%. But if the Bucks had made their season average three-point percentage, 37.7, if they had made that many, that would give them 14.7 threes. I'm going to go ahead and round that up to 15. If the Bucks made 15 threes, they would have won this game 137 to 113, and nobody would have batted an eye. Nope. Just by being their season like average on yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah, here we go. I'm not allowed to use statistics in context. Now, again, I'm going to go back to the defense because I've said it and I will continue to say it. The Bucks are able to play good defense. They just aren't consistently playing good defense, and this game shows it. The last six minutes and 22 seconds, Detroit only scored six points. Damn. The last uh, four minutes and three seconds, the Bucks went on an 11 to two run. The final five minutes and 47 seconds, the Pistons had taken a two-point lead. From that final 547, they scored four points. I like that. The final four minutes and 13 seconds, they scored two points. I like that too. So the Bucks, the Bucks tightened up defensively. They are capable. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be consistent. I agree. And that's why I keep coming back to it. Um Brett said Lopez blocking four isn't a joke. I don't get when people say trade Lopez. <sighs> I think it really boils down to people being like, oh, I saw the, the other team get an open dunk and Lopez was just standing there. Like that people see a couple of plays here and there and then they take it to mean that gospel that Brooke Lopez has gotten slow. Either He's that always or been they slow. wrote a comment on social media, to be completely honest with you. He's always been slow. That. It's not a secret. It's, it's about where he's positioned on the floor. Agreed. Agreed. And to his credit, he's very good at judging players, not the ball. Yeah. We've broken down plays of that. So <clears throat> Chris Middleton, Malik Beasley, and Giannis got the Bucks started three for three, and then the Bucks missed 20 of their next 21 threes. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Brett's just having a great day just, just laying on stick on Bill Michaels. He's he just using our comment section. To just... <laughs> Brett's just had enough of Bill Michaels. He's going crazy, man. And I get it. The dude's negative. I get it. Um, I love seeing Chris smile at how geeked up everybody gets when he throws down a dunk. I always <laughs> – he was on the bench with uh, Oppenheimer in the second half, and I always wonder – I always want to be in those conversations, man. Because all of a sudden Oppenheimer – Love it. All right. Uh, Jay Crowder missed a few more threes in this game, but my thing that with Jay Crowder is is that I want him shooting the shots that he's going to shoot when he's 100%. So I want him taking the shots that he's going to take and just to be in the mental headspace of this is the shot that I'm supposed to shoot. And if I don't make it, I get it. Um, and, again, he's a couple of games back from his from his surgery. So uh, I'm willing to give Jay Crowder a couple weeks uh, to get back into midseason form. <clears throat> And then last thing, Jake and I, we broke down a, a, a pretty crazy Andre Jackson Jr. sequence uh, we published shortly before the show started. I am, I'm willing to put Andre Jackson Jr. in untouchable category for the trade deadline. I'm, that's how far I'm willing to go. He, he has some crazy potential, honestly. My, my untouchable category for the trade deadline would be Dame, Giannis, Chris, and Ajax. That's that's my untouchable four. Yeah. 
Um, Brett said, I love Crowder's defensive awareness already and his shot will fall. Eventually he's got time to get it down again. He was one of our top three point shooters before the injury. Absolutely. We've said that and we stand by it. So <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Um, I'm going to find somewhere that has the bucks, um, press conference that is going on right now. And we will talk about that as well. So I'm going to find that somewhere. Should be. Here we go. We'll go from we'll go from here. See if this works. Gotta watch it ad. You find it? Pulling up the uh the 97-3 the game feed because they are supposed to have it. So once this ad is done, I will share it with the screen. And then Jake and I are going to talk about it while it's being talked about. So I like that. I like that a lot. All right. So the Bucks do have four games. No. Yeah, it is four games. It's four games. Mm-hmm. Um, four games. Oh, there we go. Uh, yesterday, and I appreciate the patience of everyone kind of waiting today to, to do so. This was obviously a difficult decision. Um, Adrian is a great person. Brought a lot to the franchise. We're thankful for that, and I'm thankful for the time that we had with him. Uh, but we also believe that we had an opportunity now uh, with a special group, the talent on this team, uh, the dynamic of the team has changed. The team itself had changed from when we hired him, and we felt like we had an opportunity to improve and to get better. And we wanted to take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, I also would say that uh, we believe that this is a good team right now, and with improvements, we have a chance to be great. We're looking for a way to really make this a great team. That's on me. That's on the players. That's on coaching. And we're going to continue to pursue that effort as well. In the interim, Joe Prunny is going to uh, be the head coach through the transition. And we'll uh, kind of continue to move from there. Uh, I'll take questions here. But before doing so, just want to uh, say I hope you understand. We're not going to talk about Doc tonight. That's not part of this. Oh. Uh, there'll be at some point, hopefully, a time where we can do that. But this is a chance for us to kind of dive into the uh, Adrian Giffen piece if you guys want to. I respect it. Honestly, I respect it. Um, I know you just mentioned dynamic of the team change and whatnot, but why, I guess, why, John, specifically did ownership yourself, Peter, decide that uh, it was time to fire Adrian? Like, why, why was that decision made? Yeah, it's part, it's part of my job. It's our job to constantly evaluate and to learn and listen and, and just continue to figure out how to improve this team. And mm-hmm. for us, we felt like this was the right time, the right decision to make, and that we had an opportunity to improve the group. And, you know, there isn't a specific instance. There isn't a specific timing to it. It's just this and going through it and evaluating, looking. This The dynamic's different. Giannis extended. Chris committed. Brooke committed. We were able to acquire Dame. These are hard windows to come by. These are special opportunities. We think we have a special group. I believe in this team at a high level and ownership and myself and Peter. We've continued to be bold and to be aggressive in trying to figure out how to maximize these chances that we have. And that's what we're doing here. Um, obviously you, you couldn't hire a coach on the eve of training camp, like when Dame was hired, but you mentioned the free agent signings. Um, I mean, when you hired Adrian, you talk about the process and how much you felt that was, that was good to go through in retrospect, was there a misjudgment there on, on that process or in that process? And what well, maybe should have been after free agency or some other roster decisions had been made. Yeah, someone really wise once said, looking back is ego, so I'm going to stay in the present and uh, not look back. There's no regrets. I I believe in the hire that we made. I believe in the reasons we did it, the process that we went through. And again, Adrian has contributed to this group. 
part of why we are where we are today, who we are is because of him. This was an opportunity about going forward. And so, yeah, no regrets for me. No looking back. Believe in what we did, why we did it, when we did it, and believe in where we're at today as well. Uh, you mentioned the chance to go from good to great. Where do you that see like Simon. opportunities? How do you get from, from that place to the other? Yeah, I think for me and my staff, we constantly are turning that over. We're looking for ways to improve the roster. That's not to say we don't believe in this group as constructed. I think this group as constructed has upside. I think we have yet to maximize what we can become. Some of that's timing, integrating a new star, integrating new pieces, a new system. Uh, Chris coming back, playing a real role, real minutes compared to what he had done in the, in the last year or so. And so I think there's upside in the roster, at, roster as constructed. I know that we're going to do our job to figure out if we can improve the roster. And then as part of this and why we're sitting here today, I think there's a coaching element where we have a chance to get better as well. Uh, defensively, you guys have taken a, a bit of a step back this year. How much did that play into the decision? And where do you see that those same opportunities for growth with the defense? I, I would say in assessing the team so far, we have, we have a really good record and that matters. And, and, and we've had that in the past, we have an elite offense. And I believe we not only have an elite offense in terms of rating on a total game, but we have a starting five. That's elite offensively is very good defensively. We're great in late game situations. We have uh, ISO scores. We have pick and roll scores. We have a lot of dynamic. Um, I would say flexible things that we can do offensively defensively. We have a talent group, I think, that can be better than what they've been so far. Is that a top five defense, a top 10, a top 15? I don't know. And, and that's what we're trying to decide here with the roster as constructed. We're trying to understand where we can take it, having the players be better. The players have an accountability to do this to be better uh, in, and then the coaching element. And so that's, that's like you, I that's know that we're going to be really of, good offensively. We've got to figure out how to improve defensively consistently. We've had points throughout the season where we've been very good defensively. We've had Hopefully points the players accountable. Oh, and so trying to we find did. a consistency and an identity on that side is part of this. When you hired him, I know y'all were saying during this press conference that Adrian was kind of a head coach <laughs> just waiting for the opportunity. They had all the you know, elements. Looking at it now, how much of a factor was his lack of head coaching experience, do you think, in terms of making the decision that you made today, yesterday? Yes, yeah, Steve. I, it was a tough job and a great opportunity. Both things are true when we hired Griff. The dynamics and the things that changed after that, I think, created even more of an urgency and even more so these are special opportunities the talent became even more special the commitment to the team even more significant and i think that increased the urgency and so i don't i don't it's not because i'm afraid to be wrong i've been wrong many of times i believe griff still is a head coach guys 30 and 13 this makes this a tough decision this is an ass assessment and evaluation for myself peter and our ownership group and how do we give this team the best resources to maximize this window and it's way more about that and way less about what Griff did or didn't do. That was a good answer. Jamal. Uh, I know you don't, you mentioned you can't talk about sort of the, the next coach, but just considering the time before the playoffs and such, do you, I mean, obviously you made the move today, but like what gives you confidence there is enough time? What kind of conversation you have with kind of the next coach about having enough time to leave an imprint on this team come playoff time and still make a run at a, a championship this season? Generally speaking, NBA players, the NBA system to me is incredible, like how how they can transition, adapt and adjust on the fly. You think of players that get traded, changes that happen in season all the time. And so although it's a condensed period of time, calendar wise, I think in the world of the NBA and what in particular are really smart, professional, mature players can do a great coaching staff around them. 
uh, I believe that there is enough time uh, for them to find an identity, find a rhythm together and continue to grow. So it's, it, it may feel shortened, but the things that happen in the NBA happen quick all the time and transition happens all the time. And I think we'll be well adapted to it. Hey, John, uh, we heard Giannis uh, make some pretty sharp comments saying, you know, we need to be coached better. To what extent did the players' um, comments or kind of their uh, input play into this decision? In fairness, he didn't just say we need to be coached better. So he talked about himself being better as teammates. I think the equipment manager, the trainer, me, whoever, they kind of went through the whole list. Um, I This is not about players' comments. This is not about things said or unsaid. This is, again, this is my job. This is the organization's job at the top to evaluate every single day all areas of the organization and feel like, whether we're getting or not getting the most that we can out of that group. And we feel like we could maximize the talent of this group better if we made a change. That's why we made it. That's a really fair point. John, can you at least say what you are looking for in a new head coach that you did not have with Adrian Griffin? Yeah, no, no surprise. We're trying to, we're trying to find, and, and you said we didn't have an Adrian Griffin. I'm not going to comment that. What we're looking for now is a path to go forward to maximize this group from a leadership perspective and experience perspective. Um, we want to try to bring in uh, a coach that can really take us to the next level where we think we can go with this group. And, and again, that's not just about coaching. The players have to be better. They have to improve. My group has to continue to figure out how to improve their roster. But we think coaching is an element for us to get better. Um, you mentioned being unafraid to be wrong if you will, but what was the conversation like for you to go to ownership, to have a third, potentially a third head coach under contract in one in just a few months. And especially in such a short time after I'm sure having to convince them or have them go through the process of, of hiring. What what was that like? And um, ownership, I guess, where's that support level or, or, you know, to, to do that, I guess, financially too. Yeah, I, I think it's less about a conversation or conversations. Those are hard decisions. Those are hard discussions when they happen or have to happen. But the last part's where I'll kind of focus, Jim. It's way more about this ownerships group. You know, Jimmy and Diaz on West Edens, Jamie Dynan, Peter support, my inability to lead and be part of this organization to continue to try to push and, and do everything we can to resource this team. And it's a belief in those guys. It's the guys that are going to go out tonight and they're going to play the Cleveland Cavaliers that have played every single night. We believe in this team at a super high level and we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can every step of the way. And that changes. It's not the same every day. And you have to have a pulse for that and you have to explore that and you have to learn from that. And then if, if needed, you need to make bold decisions. And they've been unafraid and, and have supported us in doing that along the way. And so I'm thankful for that. I love John. Uh, back here, John. Uh, kind of what was some of your conversations with the players once you made a decision? I, I'm assuming... Uh, Forgive me for assuming that maybe you met with the team in that sense. And then do you have a timetable on, on when you want to have that next head coach here with the, with the team? Yeah. Uh, good questions. The it's fast, like the pace of these things are fast. And so you do the best you can to communicate to folks real time so they can hear it from you, whether it's text messages, phone calls, maybe you see them in person. So that's a little bit scattered. I had an opportunity today, which was intentional to get with the guys um, as a group before shoot around. And it's just, it's, point blank. You just, just share the facts, share the status of where we're at, why we did what we did, how we support them, what our process looks like going forward. And it, those were great conversations. It was a great opportunity to do it. I hope they appreciated it. I think it's the right thing to do. And timing wise going forward, you know, I think we'll be as as urgent and as quick as we can to try to uh, transition. Joe, Joe is in place. Joe's a pro. He's, he's done this before. 
We have total confidence in his ability to help us in this transition. He's also fully aware that he's an interim coach at this point, and we're trying to we're trying to hire a head coach. What over the years kind of gave you the belief that you could act decisively in this moment? You had you obviously knew you were bringing in a first-time head coach. You knew that there could be ups and downs, there could be growing pains, but you end up coming to, to this decision. What kind of gave you the conviction to do so? And did you say what throughout the year? Over the years, I, I guess, just just to get to this spot, to, to be able to, to work that quickly. Um, I, I That's a great question. I, I think that's something that's maybe innate and learned over time. And I, I it's, you have to, you have to have a great dynamic of the people you work with and for, and you have to have great partnership and you have to have great trust. And so having the right conversations, having the appropriate amount of patience, the appropriate amount of assessment and evaluation and being able to collectively get together and figure out a path forward. And that's not specific to this. That's whether you're making a big trade, you're making a hiring or a firing. And so I think it's way more about just kind of the dynamic in, in I would say the culture to be a little cliche of our group at the top. We have a great ownership group. Peter and I have a great dynamic um, and I think that's really kind of what would speak to it. Let's do here to Lori and then Melanie. Just to clarify a few things, I think you said it, the players' comments had nothing to do with your decision. Um, but did you consult any of the players before you made? No, no. no. because you did one the hiring process, but not okay. And then it's been widely reported that he didn't have the locker room or he lost the locker room. I wondered if you agreed with that assessment, not just because of what things were revealed publicly, but there were a lot of players who, whether they spoke up at a podium or said, you know, there's no structure, things like that. Do you think Griffin, even in the 118 days, did he have the locker room or did he lose the locker room? Thank you. Yeah, uh, Laura, I'm glad you asked because honestly, kind of going through this in the last however many hours, my biggest frustration with kind of the aftermath is that that's the narrative. It's just, it's that, that's not my opinion. It doesn't mean that I'm right or wrong, but my opinion, my assessment, the ownership's assessment in going through this was an assessment that he lost the locker room, that there was dysfunction, that there was players that were jumping off a ship like that. That's just not our assessment. I believe, and I truly mean this, that that's the story. Everyone's trying to look for a bigger story than that. We have an opportunity to get better and we want to get better. And, and we think that we have a chance to do that. And so they're trying to look at things that in my mind are relatively common throughout the course of an NBA season and most NBA teams and generate stories out of it. And in my opinion, that's just not really the true narrative. Did some of those things exist? Absolutely. Is that uncommon in the NBA? Now it's almost 20 years I've been doing this. It happens all the time. So I'm really frustrated John by that. Morris I, calling it. Part of the business. I love it. Adrian Griffin did a hell of a job. Bro, he's he's an incredible person. I believe right he's going to be a very good coach <laughs> going forward. This was a chance for us to resource our team in a different way after it changed from when we hired him. And that's why we did it. Listening to live John coverage Horst. of John Horse press so conference at Pfizer Forum on the Drew and KB program. With the new change, how do you feel like they will respond to that and play tonight? <laughs> I'm not a crystal. I have no idea. I, uh, I think our guys are really focused and they're really professional. And I think more than anything, they're looking forward to play Cleveland after what happened the last time we played them. And, and I think we'll have a great response. Um, their, their response to what's going on in the moment is appropriate, in my opinion. They're excited about going forward, as they should be. We all are. And I think they're compassionate, and they have real feelings and sincerity toward a coach who gave everything to them and who was a really good person and really helped them be where they are today. And so I think that's the general sentiment of the team in terms of how that manifests itself against Cleveland Knight. I hope with a win. All right. Thanks, everybody. There you have it. And people people really gotta give 
more credit to John Horst. And like you said, on, on not just Bucks fans landscapes, but just the the national landscape. John Horst, for him to navigate all of that and to leave with <clears throat> questions answered, <clears throat> his reasoning explained, and his reputation, the player's reputation, and Adrian Griffin's reputation all intact, that takes a well-spoken person. So I, I have absolutely nothing but the utmost respect for John Horst. Absolutely nothing but the utmost respect. Yeah, he uh, he did a really good job, man. First of all, he took accountability for everything that happened. He didn't throw Griffin under the bus. Uh, he didn't want to talk about Doc, understandably so. They probably want to do a press conference introducing him as the coach, yep. which is the right thing to do. Yep. I know there's going to be a lot of people that are bummed about it because we all are wondering what's going on with Doc, how did this all happen, blah, 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 right? There's going to be a million questions. Yep. Um, but – the thing that I think I always appreciate most about John Horst is his ability, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again: his ability to just—he <laughs> just has a gut feeling. It, 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 I don't know how else to explain it, man, but he just gets like a gut feeling on when to do something, when to pull the trigger on something. Uh, trade this guy, trade this guy, fire this guy, get this guy, pull this guy, and work this guy. I'm like. This guy, and it would be really, really hard, and I mean this with respect to everybody, it would be really hard to rank the GMs in this state. <laughs> I totally agree with you. We have some fucking good GMs, dude. And I would throw – let me throw in Chris McIntosh as the yeah. AD at Wisconsin. He, he, was, he would serve as Wisconsin's GM, right? Yeah. And he's done a tremendous job getting Luke Fickle. Look at, look at the excitement around the football team. The basketball um, team looks amazing. Mike the men's Hastings, and women's hockey, the hockey team, team. The volleyball team has been tremendous. Man. I mean, there's just a lot of things that are just going good for those Hots and Badgers right now. And then you think about the Packers, where they're at. I mean, Goot took a leap of faith drafting Jordan Love. And he took a <laughs> leap of faith. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in back-to-back years. <laughs> and you know what? I was going to say this on Friday, but if, if this Packers team – played last year's Packers team, they'd beat their ass. Oh, they'd beat the shit out of them. They would beat their ass. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah. But, like, strictly just from a mentality standpoint, they would beat the hell out of them. Yeah. Youth, talent, man. And then the Brewers, you know, to be in a, a, a sport like baseball with no salary cap and for Arnold – to work his way through that and keep star players here and, and sign guys like like Hoskins. I mean, that that's big boy stuff. Trading for Mark Hanna, that was a brilliant move. Trading for Carlos Santana, that was a really, really good move. That was just a smart Dude, baseball. and their drafting over the last four years has been amazing. Right. I mean, you can Extending just go down Churio. the list. Yeah, dude. And, and Tyler, dude, and Tyler Black and, and Mizorowski, and yeah. there's going to be so many good players in the next five years five for the years, Milwaukee yeah. Brewers that are just good. We're going to have an insane roster, dude. You know, and we didn't even bring up guys like Weimer and and, and Mitchell, Mitchell. And, and Frelick. And I mean, there's just, there's a lot of guys Dang. that we already have up. I mean, he made a trade for Contreras, which was a, a monster trade. I mean, we got Joel Piamps. I mean, Yep. I mean, we have Devin Williams, one of the best closers in baseball in the Milwaukee Brewers. I mean, there's just so many things that we could say about all the GMs from this state 
for us being a small state and kind of overlooked and, and everybody always hates us and it doesn't matter, man. We're Wisconsin, dude. And these GMs make sure of it. And I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And and John Horst is is the cream of the crop. And it's he, nothing but he class. Might be. Um Brad said I missed the press conference. Doc in or out. Uh it sounds like Doc is in, but they haven't they're not going to introduce him in the same press conference that they're gonna talk about firing Griffin. So yeah, it sounds like they're um he did mention Doc, but he said he was not going to talk about Doc today. So it sounds like to me that Doc is hired, but he's not being introduced today, which I respect. You know, you yep. give Adrian Griffin his respect, um, and then you give Doc Rivers his own press conference and be like, we are now here presenting Doc Rivers, and you do them separately. I, I like doing it that way. Um, so mm-hmm. I would guess probably tomorrow or Friday would yep. be my guess because it sounded like they were, you know, the reporters started asking questions like for the next head coach, not saying when you have doc rivers, when you introduce doc rivers, but they're asking him like for the next head coach. Uh, he said things like we want to do this quickly, expeditiously um, and, and fast. So mm-hmm. would expect probably tomorrow as early, maybe, or they'll say they'll announce tomorrow that Friday, they're going to announce him. And then maybe Friday night will be his first game on the bench. But, can you imagine John Horst's phone <laughs> for the next two weeks, including like yesterday, right? With right. everything he's had to do, all the, all the, okay, we did this, spreading the news, talking to this guy about this trade, talking to this guy about this trade, talking to, the, you know, Doc Rivers about coaching the Bucks. I mean, dude, his phone has to consistently be plugged in or he has more than one phone. There's no other way around. Probably it. got more than one phone. But no I would love to see it. like a sequel to Moneyball about John Horst's last year. Dude, wouldn't that be something? Man. Maybe we could come up with a really shitty B-movie version of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with it. <laughs> I'll see what we can do. Um but I want to thank everybody for sticking around with us. Uh, the Bucks play tonight. They play Friday. They play Saturday, Saturday. and Monday. Um, so that said, I do. I got to talk with Jake a little bit more, but I do think we are at least considering doing a watch party for that Nuggets mm-hmm. game on Monday. Uh, mm-hmm. We will definitely give information if we're going to do that for sure. And then other than that, Again, I want to thank everybody who was willing to donate, whether it was fantasy football winnings or just donating money or getting in on the 50-50 raffle for my trip to the Senior Bowl. I am very appreciative for that, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. And then again, thanks everybody who commented today, yesterday, when we did the live about Adrian Griffin. And thanks, everybody, for watching, and we will be back on Friday night. Yes, sir. Take care. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.